you pray with me? Father, somehow we want to tell you how much we love you today. With the sounds of these beautiful instruments, with the magnificent voices of this choir, Lord, all singing together, we want to tell you how much we love you, how much we honor you, your honor, and recognize your majesty. And Father, when we look at Jesus, we see that he is full of glory and truth. And Lord, we want to be full in a world that rings us out and empties us, Lord. We pray today that you would fill us with all the fullness of God as you have promised in your word. Lord, that we might be God-centered, God-filled, God-intoxicated people. Absolutely enamored of you, Lord. Thinking about you and singing to you with all our hearts. Thank you, Father, for this experience of worship. Thank you for every person gathered in this room. All eyes are on you, God. All eyes are on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. All the time. It is so, so good to be with you this morning and uh, to see so many here. We welcome you. We are delighted that you are here on this great day. And, you know, anytime you want to do something new and great, uh, you know, uh, things don't always, uh, don't always cooperate. The weather uh, is probably less than, than desirable, as we, as we might imagine. But I was determined last night to get a good night's sleep. Am I the only one? I was going to get a good night's sleep because I was going to have to get up a little earlier. Turns out one of our uh, sons ran out of gas last night between Navasota and College Station. No worry, Dad. I, I've got lots of friends in College Station. Turns out they're not back in college yet. So, um, well, uh, on my way there, uh, my wife um, called me and said, we do have AAA. And uh, so we stayed on the phone with him till AAA got there and uh, thought, well, I'll just sleep a little later than I had planned to. Our dog does not like thunderstorms. And uh, so she awakened, and when she awakened at 5.30, she awakened all of us, and, and still God is good all the time. <laughs> all the time He is good. Well, we've been thinking about what it means to be filled with God's Spirit. It's really been sort of the, the thought that's been at the front of my mind all through the Christmas holidays. We, we left off with this thought of a spiritual man, Simeon, on December the 26th, and last week we talked about living a balanced life in the Spirit, but I found myself this week wondering, what does a Spirit-filled person look like? And I remember the words of my professor in college who said to me, it's not how loud you shout, it's not how high you jump, it's how straight you walk when you hit the ground. And those who are filled with God's Spirit, those whose lives are centered in Him, don't just go to church. We are the church everywhere we go. We don't just worship once a week, but we live a life of worship. And I had the, the high privilege to represent you this uh, weekend. I was planning this week to go up and see B.O. Wilkins up in Denver. You know he's been diagnosed with brain cancer and he's with his daughter Melanie there getting treatment and um, 
We got a call late on Friday that said he was not doing well. And so I jumped on a plane on Friday afternoon and went up to see him. And I tell you, when I look at B.O. Wilkins' life, I think I know what the Apostle Paul means when he says, be filled with the Spirit. Because B.O. loves music, and he loves prayer, and he loves the ministries that he was involved in in this church, which is almost every ministry in this church. B.O. is one of the few people I know, can I get an amen, who loves business meetings. He loves business meetings more than anybody I've ever known. And I had the privilege, the high privilege of sitting with him. And uh, I was Switzerland in the LSU A&M game. I just want you to know I wasn't picking teams, but I was with B.O. And so uh, we cheered together for LSU. Forgive me, my Aggie friends. And, um, and, you know, after the game was over, we had the chance just to read Scripture and just to pray together. It was unforgettable. And I thank God for the Spirit-filled people whose lives are so centered in God, that God is everything to them. And inevitably, when I meet these people, I discover they love the church. And so, by God's grace, do we. Would you open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. The wonderful lady who puts together our worship guide every week said, uh, I think you've already preached on these verses. I said, no, no, I read these verses. I'm going to preach on them this week. So let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Ephesians 5, verse 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. You cannot try as you may, no matter how well planned and organized you are. You cannot have church apart from the Holy Spirit of God. So the Apostle Paul, early in his letter to the Ephesians, says it is the Spirit of God. He's talking about the Trinity and he comes to the Spirit in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 and says, the Spirit is the one who seals you unto the day of redemption. He goes on to say in chapter 4, verse 30, you don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. He's been way too good to you. And this Spirit who seals you until the day that you receive all that God has for you, this down payment, this earnest money on our inheritance, the one who proves that all of God's good promises to us will inevitably, ultimately be fulfilled. This God, our God, invites us to be filled with him. Notice as he says this, just a few things as I unpack that little statement, be filled with the Spirit. It's an imperative. It's not optional like choosing whether or not you get uh, electric seat controls on the passenger seat in your car. No, you are to be filled 
with the Spirit. Notice that it's plural. It's not just talking to one person, but it's talking to the whole gathered people of God. Be a God-filled people. God is never more present with His people than when we come together like this and sing from our hearts and open His Word. Be, be filled. It's, it's passive. It's something God does. It's not something we can gin up, but it's something we can open ourselves to that God wants to fill us. And it's present tense. Now let me tell you what that means. It's continuous action. It's literally be being filled. Keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. When Jesus at Cana wanted to turn water into wine, he said to those who were there, go fill those vessels with water, but the tense was aorist. In other words, just fill them one time. That's all we're going to need. But that's not the tense here. The tense is present continuous action Keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. And what do Spirit-filled people do? Well, we talk to each other, he says, with spiritual words. We sing and make music in our hearts to the Lord. We're always giving thanks, he says. Spirit-filled people submit to one another. This is the way God wants us to live, filled with His Spirit, controlled by His Spirit, living under the influence of His Spirit. We live lives of worship. And when we live lives of worship, two things will be true of us. We will love God with all our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our strength. And we will love each other because God has called us to love each other. And spirit-filled people love God. Spirit-filled people love the church. He really starts with the horizontal relationships, doesn't he? When he says, speak to one another. Now the parallel for this is in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. And in that passage, we hear the Apostle Paul right in this same spot where he says, be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He says in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That is to say, the work of the Spirit is the work of the Scriptures, and the work of the Scriptures is the work of the Spirit. And you can't really separate the two. Those who want to worship God must know this. God is looking for worshipers. God is actively seeking people who will worship Him, and He wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we we can't uh, leave either component of that out. And so we worship God by speaking the truth to one another, by teaching each other with wisdom, by sharing the word of God with each other. This is the way we are to encourage each other and build each other up. And at some level, this is a work not only of, of speaking the scriptures, but of speaking the great hymns of our faith, the great, the great uh, psalms that we read in the Old Testament, the great spiritual songs that God is inspiring to this very minute, all of those are a component of our life together so that life in the church, if I may say, is, is something of a musical. It's, it's us living with a song in our hearts and sharing that song with one another. You've been to musicals. Uh, I love going to musicals when I know that they're musicals, if you know what I mean. Uh, Les Mis, I love because I know it's a music. I know they're going to sing from the time we sit down until the time we get up. I love musicals. But I remember one time Melanie and I went to a movie, and I don't expect movies to be musicals, but 
this one was. And I remember that they sang at the very beginning. I thought, well, that's a little odd. I thought it was going to be a historical movie, but they sang to each other and then they sang again and then they sang again. And finally we realized what was going on. And I leaned over to her and I said, this is a musical. Let's get out of here. And we were on our way out the door. I just didn't expect that. But when I come to you this morning to say to you that life in God's spirit is a musical life, and it involves a variety of songs. Just notice, they had to to describe the music of the first century church. It took three different words, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And if you remember our study of the psalms last year, what you remember is that even among the psalms, there is a great variety of music. This is the hymn book of the Old Testament. There are 150 songs and they sang those songs on various occasions and there are psalms of praise and there are psalms of thanksgiving and there are psalms of lament and there are psalms of confession and psalms of communal penitence. There are all kinds. I, I love what Walter Brueggemann says. There are psalms of orientation. You read those psalms and you go, oh, everything's going well. And some days those psalms just fit our lives And then there are psalms of disorientation when life is coming undone, when everything that can go wrong is going wrong. There are psalms that express that. And then there are psalms of reorientation where God sort of takes the brokenness of our lives and puts them back together. All that to say there is room in the body of Christ for a great variety of music. And the challenge to us is as we know what we love and love what we know is not... not, to ever stop loving what we love, but at the same time not to be critical of what other people love because in the body of Christ it takes all kinds of music to meet the needs of all kinds of people. I love this service. I love what we're doing in this service and I love what we will do in the later service as well. But I have to tell you, whichever service we're in, we will only sing and speak the truth about Jesus Christ. There will be no trivial music because we do not serve a trivial God. So psalms are the great psalms. And the early church sang those psalms. And even though we don't know it, we still sing those psalms. When we sing, serve the Lord with gladness or shout to the Lord, we're singing Psalm 100, the old 100th psalm. And there are great, great hymns that are built upon the psalms. And in fact, through the years, it's been disconcerting sometimes when there's been musical transition. The Great Awakening in the United States in 1736, Jonathan Edwards described the music and he said, we are singing and we're doing this new kind of singing where people sing with parts, he said. The men sing three parts, the women sing a couple of parts, and he said, it is more beautiful than any music I have ever seen. But there were critics back in 1736 who said, They are not just singing the psalms, but they are singing other songs. And what I discover in the scripture is that there are hymns, and these hymns, I believe, are songs to Christ. And so so when you and I read Philippians chapter 2, that's a song that the early church sang about Jesus, about having a servant heart like him. And when our choir sings, let us have the mind of Christ... We are singing those very same words. We sing scripture to one another. When our children sing the doorpost songs, they're singing scripture. It can't get any better than that. And then there are these spiritual songs, songs about God that that inspire our hearts like God and God alone. I'm not sure I have a, a more favorite solo song in all the world than the one we heard Hannah sing this morning. And then 
the majesty and glory of your name. This is beautiful, transcendent music that lifts our souls upward to God. And I'm just saying to you that we speak to one another. And if we stop speaking to one another, especially if we stop speaking to one another about music, that would really be a mistake, wouldn't it? When he says, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then he says, we're not only a speaking to each other, fellowshipping kind of church, but we're a a singing and worshiping kind of church. It's not, by the way, music is not the prelude to worship. It is worship itself. And it empowers us as we continue to worship in the reading and preaching of God's word. And then he says, those who are spirit-filled are thankful people. Come, ye thankful people, come. Wrote uh, the psalm, the, the hymn writer, back during the time of a great plague. Come, ye thankful People come always, he says, giving thanks. We never stop giving thanks to God. Why? Because when we sing our thanksgiving to God, we're imprinting those thoughts of gratitude on our hearts and on our minds. They're doing a lot of studies of the human brain these days, and some of the things they're discovering are interesting that you remember things because of how deeply they are imprinted in your brain. It's why, for instance, can I just confess, sometimes I, I can't remember something that I promised Melanie I would do, but for some reason I can't forget every word of the song, Gilligan's Isle. Why is that? I don't, I don't understand why. I, rem- I don't even want to remember Gilligan's Island. It wasn't really that good, and the song wasn't that good, but because the song imprinted those words in my mind. I can't. That's why it's so important with our children all the way up to teach them music that imprints on them the great truths of our faith. I don't know if if you're like me, but a lot of Sundays I go home and the anthem that the choir sang stays with me and dare I say sustains me all week long because it brings back to my mind the greatness and the majesty and the glory of our God and it keeps me in tune and in focus on Him. That's why music as an expression of our gratitude is so incredibly important. Mark Twain said we had it wrong to have one day of Thanksgiving and then 364 to do whatever. He said, no, we we ought to flip that. We ought to have 364 days of gratitude and, and maybe one day for grumbling and complaining. But I think we ought to make every day, he says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Margaret Visser has written a book saying that It's very difficult sometimes for children to learn to say thank you. They've done studies of it. It's much easier for kids. Is it true of your kids that they picked up hello and goodbye before they picked up thank you? Um, They they pick that up and you have to teach them. And sometimes they learn, learn the word thank you before they even know what it means. But here's the interesting thing that they've learned. That when in the latter days of our lives we forget many things because of dementia or Alzheimer's, That word, thank you, is so deeply printed on our souls that it's one of the few things that we remember. That we remember to say thank you. It's it's why I can never forget Eula Mae Ball after, after being such a brilliant Bible teacher and at the end of her life she lost many things but she would sit at the back of our worship center and sing every word to those hymns she had learned as a child because they were printed on her soul. And they were there when other things were gone. And so you and I are practicing and preparing our hearts to be grateful people. Not just one hour a week, but everywhere we go in everything we do. We are God's 
grateful people. I saw it in, in B.O. this week when he said to me, God is in charge. Whatever he wants. And uh, though outwardly, outwardly we would say he's wasting away, inwardly he's being renewed every day. Just like the Apostle Paul promised, he has printed worship on his soul. He is a spirit-filled person. And one great characteristic of his life is his continuing gratitude for the goodness of our God. I heard one of our presidents, or one of our former presidents, speak not long ago and he told an amazing story how he was invited to Rwanda over in Africa and he went there and he spoke to a Christian school there for children who live in Rwanda, but not just any children. These are children who have been brought together in that school because both of their parents have died of HIV AIDS. And here's this school full of these, of these children and they've lost both of their parents. And when the president stood up to speak, there was some need for him to do a sort of sound check as he stood up. And so just spontaneously, he just said, God is good. But he was unprepared for the children who roared back at him all the time. And he liked it so much, he said it again. God is good. And they said, all the time. And then he said, if children who have lost both of their parents to HIV AIDS can say, God is good all the time, how much more should we be grateful people to our gracious God? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your amazing presence in this place, for your glory and your grace and your truth. Thank you, Lord, for people who love you with heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, I pray that you would help us this week to live a life of worship, that, that we would break the huddle in a few moments here, and then we would go out and play the game, and that the things we have learned together this morning would inspire us to represent you everywhere we go, and we give you thanks, God our Father, for everything always in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.